This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. What are you doing here? Don't you know Jerry and Tracy live here? They're coming. They hear you. Ah, they're here. Happy Easter, everybody, and welcome to episode 87 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry, and of course, I'm joined by my wife, Tracy. Happy Easter, Bok Bok. Hope you guys have enjoyed your day. Hopefully, you got to spend some time with family. You didn't have to work, but I know some of you probably did, so... You know, well, maybe you can relax now for a little bit. Some people are off tomorrow also. Why? Because a lot of people do Monday as the holiday since Easter is always on a Sunday. There's a lot of banks and stuff that are closed on that's, Monday. That's dumb. Maybe so, but that's the case. Oh, well, I mean, good for them. I'm glad they're off. So, And I guess happy April Fool's Day, too. Oh, that's right. It is April Fool's Day. Yeah, I forgot all about it. Easter overtook it, though. Yeah. I didn't even really think about it until just like just second when I mentioned it. So, fool. I pity the fool. How was that? <laughs> that wasn't good? No. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a fun show. We're going to do the uh, Huska Castle, which has been requested a few times, and we're finally getting around to doing it. Which brings me to the point of you guys give us a lot of requests. A lot of great ones. Yeah. And we only typically do one topic a night, sometimes two. So it takes us a while to get through of these. So chances are, if you gave us a suggestion, it will probably get used. It just it could be literally months down the road. I know when somebody, the first time Huska was um, suggested, that literally was probably six seven months ago. No way. Yeah. So and then uh, I think uh, Uzi Q, which mm-hmm. I don't think that's her real name, mm, <laughs> but, but I like it. But she uh, she sent us something on the. Um, uh, what is it, El Paso High School. And that's been on the list for months and months and months. But the problem with that one is it's a cool story, but there's not a whole lot to it. So it would be one of those where we do like two or three uh, stories one night. That would be one oh, of the Oh, yeah, that would be ones. great. So, but that's one of the reasons why that one hadn't been used. But I actually did a lot, all the research for that probably five or six months ago. Uh-huh. So it's, it is a cool story, though. Anytime you can get a haunted high school, I think it's pretty oh, cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Obviously, we want to start off, especially on a day like today, by thanking all of our uh, military and civil servants all around the world. I know it's tough being away from your family on the holidays. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Jesus. He is risen. And we appreciate you, Lord, just Um, as much as everybody else. Well, unless it's an April Fool's joke. No, that's not. 
maybe they were just waiting outside the tomb, and he's like, I'm going to give it like 10 minutes. No. And then Mm -hmm. pop out and say, April Fool's. (laughs) No. You don't think? No. I don't know. But we do appreciate our military and uh, all our policemen, firemen, everybody. We love you guys, and uh, thank you for keeping us safe. Absolutely. So we're going to do the Husker Castle. That's the the part we're doing. But we also are going to finish up tonight with a fantastic interview that I did with Adam Berry from Kindred Spirits. Yeah, that was fun. He is so fun. It's it's you know, you get to see these people on TV and you get this image in your head of how they are and then you get to get to talk to some of these people and you realize that there's way more to them than what you get to see on TV mm-hmm. and that's definitely the case with Adam. And at the end of the interview, I'm going to give you an example of how cool of a guy this is. So, are we ready to jump into this? I'm ready, babe. We got some iTunes reviews after Yay. only having one last week. We actually had eight this week. Yeah, and I was so exciting. And I actually see some names in here that I actually recognize. Abby Pancakes. Oh, Abby Pancakes. <laughs> she, she's such a sweetheart. Yeah. It, she um, she was over in, I think it was Romania mm-hmm. not too long ago. She sent some pictures on uh, Instagram where they went over to uh, Dracul's Castle. Oh, yeah. You know that they based uh, Vlad the Impaler and all that that they based uh, Dracula off of. Mm-hmm. And she went over to the castle and the thing. Why? She's such a good girl because she was over doing basically volunteer work. Oh. So, very sweet. Very cool. Mom of twin teenagers? Yes. Thank you, hun. Chewy, 40. Ziggy, 1993. Spooky Dude. Walker J. Mist. And then we've got Elvis Rico. I recognized Elvis's name because... He it's actually, cool. Well, that and he he actually has a podcast out there. It's oh. called I want to I'm going to get this wrong. I should have looked it up. I think it's called Laughing with Cancer because he actually is suffering from cancer, but he's doing a podcast trying to help people cope. Oh, bless that his have heart. cancer. So, I'll get the uh, the actual name yeah, of it. Definitely. I don't I know I'm close. I could be right on, but I think it's Laughing with Cancer and uh I'll put some links in that, into the show so you guys can check it out. Well, bless but, you, Elvis, for doing that. I know that's, I'm sure that's a comfort for everybody. But we've, uh, I've talked to Elvis on a few occasions, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he's going through a lot. So, well, it, we're praying for you, buddy. Yep. I'll get some information out there, too, some Twitter stuff and all that. If I think he's got Twitter, and uh, you guys can send him some messages. Oh, and stuff that would be so nice. Yeah, you guys do that. Patreons this week, new Patreons. Thank you guys so much yeah, for that. Thank you guys. We love you. Jim Story, Steve Thompson. Marianne Lyle. Thank you, guys. It yep. means and a lot. Marianne actually just shared a, a story that has to do with voodoo yes. on our Patreon listener stories episode. Fantastic story. Oh, my gosh. And I've got some video footage that um, some of the video footage is actually from the ceremony that she got to attend in Haiti. So I'll post that when, when we post all the pictures and stuff on the group tonight. I'll post that as well. I'm excited for you guys to see that. It's pretty cool. I thought no better story to talk about on Easter Sunday than a reported hellhole. Hey, ain't nothing like a good hellhole. Yeah, it's a gate, the gateway to hell. And, it, you know, we use that a lot. There's, you know, so many different stories we've done that yeah. supposedly have a gateway to hell from Bobby Mackey's to Stowe Cemetery. And and uh, then you've got the Huska Castle. This is a little bit different than most of them, though. And you'll hear why. I mean, with Bobby Mackey's, obviously, we're talking about a well in uh, Stowe Cemetery, there's no hole at all. It's just, you know, an old abandoned church that's that's no longer there. 
This one's a little bit different. As we get into the story, I think you'll you'll see where I'm going with this. But Huska Castle is in the Bohemia region of the Czech Republic, which is the former Czechoslovakia. It's a, that's where it's located here. Just to give you a, um, an idea of the area, because I know most of us are probably not real big on our Czechoslovakian uh, geography. I know I'm not. But Prague is the capital. That's the biggest city, and it's about 30 miles from there. What is it, Prague? Prague. Okay. It was constructed between 1253 and 1278, and it's built in what you consider an early Gothic style. Now, at the time, this was the only uh, castle that was built anywhere in this style there. So this is the old, you know, the stones, the medieval-looking castles like you would think when you see in the, the, what do you call it, like the fairy tales and stuff like that. That's how this one was built. Now, at first glance, this castle seems like an ordinary castle. But if you start looking a little bit closer, you'll find some strange features. For example, there looks to be a lot of windows, except for several of these windows are actually fake when you inspect it a little more closely. You'll see that um, they got the glass panes, but it's just set up with a wall right behind it. No. What's the point of that? (laughs) Well, we're going to get into some of that. Oh. There's also no fortification. No water source. No kitchen. So think about this place. It's it's sitting there. There's no water anywhere around, so there's no way to get water to it. There's... When you think about fortification, you're talking moats. You're talking, you know, the... uh, um, ramparts that go on a castle or that would, you know, just basically stuff that would keep something out. There's nothing in this castle. So it doesn't really make sense. This makes it really clear that the castle wasn't built as a residence because there's no water, no kitchen or nothing, uh, or any type of protective sanctuary because there's nothing to keep people out. So if it wasn't built to keep people out, what's the point of it? Right. Well, the location of the castle is also very strange because it's in a very secluded area, just stuck in a bunch of woods. It's out of the way. These woods are, like, really thick. There's some swamp land and stuff like that. There's no strategic reason to be there, and there's no trade routes or anything near mm-hmm. there. So it really is in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. for no reason whatsoever. Now, I mean, we we look at, like, today, if we were going to maybe build a house out in the woods or something because you want the seclusion, but that's why you got it out there. All right. But we've already determined there's no kitchen, there's no water source. This wasn't meant for anybody to live in. Yeah. So all we know is we've got a castle that's built in the middle of nowhere for no apparent reason with nothing to keep people out, and that's very strange. Now, because of the fact that there's no strategic reason for to be there, uh, you know that there has to be an ulterior motive, so to speak. So why was it built in such a strange location? Well, there's a whole lot more questions than just that. Why have the locals avoided the castle in the area? Because they do. They don't go anywhere near it. Why why do so many birds end up being found dead inside the castle's inner courtyard? Why did a a Swedish mercenary leader and a black magician, uh, Oronto, decide to make the castle his house in 1639? What was he doing that terrified the local peasants so bad that they assassinated him? Why did the Nazis take over the castle in the 1930s during World War II? There's a lot of questions that we're going to answer 
or at least attempt to answer in tonight's show. So it's always been a place that puts fear in the heart of, of the locals right there. And the reasons are way more than what you'll ever guess. There's a lot more questions than there are answers, so we won't be able to answer everything tonight, but we'll at least attempt to answer what we can. So the legend surrounding the site of the Castle Huska is actually older than the castle itself. There's evidence of Celtic inhabitation in the area that goes all the way back to the 6th century. And of course, Celtics, uh, religious-wise, is more like a paganistic type religion, not definitely not a Christian religion. Now, there was a, sw- a small wooden fort that was built there in the 9th century on this land. Now, the big story, of course, is the strange crack that's in the limestone uh, cliff that's right there on the land in what seemed to be a huge bottomless pit. Oh my gosh. Thus the gateway to hell. So local residents began calling it the hole to hell. Villagers did their best to try to stay away from the pit at all time, but especially at nighttime. Now they claimed that these strange creatures, half human, half animal, would emerge from the pit and kill their livestock and then look for human victims. Oh, man. They also believed that any person who got anywhere near the site was in danger of being changed into one of these creatures. Oh. So that's why they kind of... They can change other people? Well, that's what they felt like anyway. I don't know that they could, but that's what the, the locals felt. That kind of sounds cool, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also saw these large black winged creatures flying around over the pit. Uh, these were like demon, dragon type creatures. Dang. Yeah. This, this place is creepy as, you know. <laughs> so they de- they decided that they were going to try to fill in the holes. Mm-hmm. So they tried to fill it in with rocks, and, and then over a period of time, realizing that no matter how many rocks they threw in them, threw it this in this hole, it didn't matter. Because you never they it, never seen the rocks come up because no, it just could, wouldn't fill it. They couldn't. You couldn't even hear it hit. That's how oh. deep this thing was. So they couldn't hear anything. They, I mean, they would. Just drop all these rocks and stuff in there, and nothing. Not a so, sound. So, a hoe is just not a hoe. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> You're quite the rapper. Thanks. All right, so. <laughs> that is crazy. So, what would they do? The logical thing to do is when they had prisoners that need to be executed, they would march them to the pit and push them in. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's so mean. Eventually, though. Curiosity kind of got the best of uh, the Duke of the Duba clan. It could be Duba, but Duba sounded I think better. It's but the Duba clan, he offered a full pardon to prisoners that were on death row if they would volunteer to let them lower them down in the pit on a rope, and then come back, let them pull them back up, and explain to them what they saw. But they're not going to say nothing. How do you know that? Well, what are they going to say? They're going to say a big black hole. Well, I'm getting ready to tell you what they're going to say. A big black booty hole. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, wait, get it? Booty hole. I made a joke and didn't even know it. Yeah, you kind of didn't. I didn't? No. Big no. booty hole. No? Nope. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> well, how many did it, though? Seriously? One. One, one to start, anyway, because oh there's a couple gosh. different stories in this. They, they lower him down the hole. Picture this. I'm picturing it. <laughs> so they're starting to lower him down slow. And after a couple of minutes, the rope starts violently shaking. This guy starts screaming. Help me, help Crazy. Me. I don't know what he's screaming, but he's screaming. And so they start trying to pull him back out oh real, my gosh. really quick. This is making me nervous. <laughs> well, 
They get him out of the hole. And this guy was a younger guy, okay? They yeah, get so he had like a long way to live if he could come out. Yeah. So they pull him out, though. This young, dark-haired man that went into the pit just a couple of minutes before now had solid white hair, and it looked like he had aged by at least 30 years. He had wrinkles and stuff all over his face. Oh, no. He was frantic. He couldn't explain what he saw. He just was, was, you know, trying to run everywhere. I mean, they're trying to hold him down. He just went completely mad by the time he was sent there. So they they get him settled. They send him to an asylum, and he died two days later. <gasps> he only lasted two days? Yep. Now, most accounts say that this was the only person that it happened to, but there are some other accounts that said that they tried this multiple times with different prisoners, but they had the exact same result every time. Oh, so the other people turned gray in age? Or? That's what they're saying, but most, most of the accounts say that it was just happened one time with just that guy. That is so the that, craziest thing I've ever heard. That's the problem when you start going back to the 1300s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, my gosh. So then... The report is that the castle was actually built over the pit to keep the creatures in. In. Oh, my goodness. So that's why there was no windows and stuff? That's why there was really no need for a kitchen or a water source. And that's why there was no fortification because it wasn't built to keep something out. Oh, wow. It was built to keep something in. Hmm. That's very interesting. And most of the features that you're going to see will back that up when we start talking about the features in it. So most of his defenses uh, were not facing outward. They were facing inwards. So the, you know, basically just like the opposite of what you would expect it to be, which wouldn't make sense at first until you hear Mm -hmm. why it was built. It's pretty obvious that this was built to keep the enemies inside, Mm -hmm. not keeping something out. So, Here's a couple of things about the uh, the castle. There were no stairs leading from the upper floors to the courtyard. Oh. And this thing's got an inner courtyard. If you look at the pictures that we'll post online, you'll see that it's instead of it, it's got a big hole right down the top, the top straight down to the middle. It's open all on the inside of the castle. I wonder though what made them think they could keep them underground. Well, as we get more into the story, it might make a little more oh, sense. I okay. still think it's kind of stupid, but I mean, reality. <laughs> okay. Just demons. We should be able to block them off. <laughs> <laughs> they can do whatever they want, but some stone ought to keep them out. You uh, yeah, know, it's, yeah. It's just my approach, and they so. need to read the signs. Do yeah. not exit. That's what they should have just done. They should have just put some signs up. No demons allowed. <laughs> or, or one way one way, and then had it pointing down. Oh, there, there you go. They couldn't come out. There you go. They just weren't creative enough back then. <laughs> so... It's not evident today how it was really built. Because you can look at it today and you think, well, it doesn't really look like a castle. At one time, it looked more like a castle. But back in the uh, uh, 30-year war, which was in the 1600s, Emperor Ferdinand made a uh, decree to where he would make all private castles more accessible and less defensible. Mm -hmm. So some of the stuff like the tower that was there and the moat and all that that was there... Mm -hmm. Has all been taken away. 
So okay. they did have some of those things yeah. at one point, but as time went, mm-hmm. these things started going around. So uh, all of this mantle stuff, including the uh, ramparts we talked about earlier, they've all been taken down. Okay. So now when you look at it, you don't think castle. Castle, right. But if you would have looked at it back in the day, you would have thought that. Yeah. And I think the moats and everything, if I remember correctly, were on the inside. I was going to say, don't moats, and moats is the thing that goes over the water, right? The moat is the water. Oh, the moat is the water. Yeah, bridges. Bridges no, go over water. But you said there was no water. No, but they had a they had a moat. Would moat? I think a moat can be like just a big ditch. I don't huh. think it has to have water. I think a moat can be just like a a giant ditch that you just can't get over. Oh. So. They but, are not following through. Yeah, I know. But I guess that was a reason. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, and they probably could have brought water and filled the moat up. I mean, it would have probably taken a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't Crap know. time they did that, the other part would be dried up. It'd be dried up moat again. Yeah. <laughs> we have to have like a whole bunch of people with buckets all at the same time. Uh, yeah. That would be frustrating. You get back and go to pour your bucket oh, in there and all the water's already like, absorbed into it. the ground. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in the 18th century, it was remodeled into a Renaissance um, chateau. And in the communist period, of Czechoslovakia, because there was a time where Czechoslovakia was mm-hmm. uh, a communist country, it fell into disrepair and just started kind of falling apart. And today, it's in the process of being repaired by Jarmor Semenek and Blanka Horova. And okay. I'm sure I completely butchered that. But I'm sorry, they don't know. Yeah, they're probably not going to yeah, listen. they don't care. So what about the pit? What about it? Don't you have any concerned about what happened to the pit they built this castle what i mean what do you think happened to the pit when they built the castle um i don't know i feel like the pit didn't the castle didn't keep nothing out (laughs) well your question was earlier how was this going to keep those things out right well here is what the answer is supposed to be when it was construction was started that crack that was in the limestone with the big hole they covered it up with these thick stone plates and then they built the castle's chapel right over top of the pit oh so they to seal off the hole to hell so they so they they covered up the plates or what they covered up the the crack with all these plates built a chapel on top of it well i mean that was kind of smart that was their plan i guess to keep that well i'm glad i'm glad it was a chapel they built over top of it that is kind of smart thinking yep and the chapel was dedicated to the archangel michael oh i said arch it's ark i know what you meant yeah well i know i don't want everybody think i'm stupid (laughs) oh oh well (laughs) archangel michael yeah and for most of the people out there, of course, if you know anything about Archangel Michael, he is like the leader of God's armies and to fight against Satan. So it would make sense that that's who they dedicated the chapel over. There are some faded frescoes in the chapel that's said to be the, the oldest of their kind in the Bohemia region. Now... Do you know what a fresco is? No, I was just getting ready to ask you that. I have no clue. Well, I didn't either. And at first I thought it was one of those drinks. Sandwiches? No. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a fresco melt? (laughs) I think that's a fresco melt. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, I don't. What is it? A fresco is, um, it's a painting that's done with like watercolors. And it's like really 
fastly, hastily done. Okay. So it's not going to be something that's perfect like you would see, like the Mona Lisa. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be something that was just painted as quick as they could into the plaster so it would dry into the plaster. Oh, that's cool. So it's, you know, it's a really faded, you know, yeah. light-colored picture. Well, I like that. That's neat. I thought it was pretty cool. And they said that these uh, frescoes date back to the 1400s. Oh, so my So they've been gosh. there for a long time. Now, two of these frescoes feature the Archangel Michael and... It's it's basically one is him fighting a dragon, mm-hmm. which the dragon is always a sign of evil back then. So that, and that would make sense since you got those black winged creatures, yeah, flying over top. And another one, he's got a sword in his hand and he's got a set of scales in the other hand. Mm-hmm. And then he's actually weighing the souls on Judgment Day. That's no, what the he's not. Depicts. Wow. So you know what? I wish we could see one of those pictures. I'm sure I got to dig them up. Like from the 1400s? Yeah, I mean, they're still there. Aren't they faded? <laughs> yeah, I started off by saying faded frescoes. Oh, so. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, know, I know you said that, but I mean, faded so bad that, I mean, faded, faded so bad that, how could you, there even be anything left to see? I don't know. Oh my gosh, you got to pull those pictures. I want to see them. Yeah, but I'm sure I can find them put up. There's also a, a fresco of the crucifixion. Uh, and one of St. Christopher. Really? I think they knew it was St. Christopher because he had a St. Christopher's medal on. Yeah. No, he didn't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's strange about these frescoes is that on one of the walls, there's a figure that isn't seen on any type of paintings at this time. It's a creature that upper body is of a woman and lower body is of a horse. Beautiful. Yeah, I think I've dated a few of those. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but she's holding a, a bow in her right hand. Stop. And in her left hand, she's pulling an arrow back and she's aiming it. Oh, I've seen that. Right towards a man's neck. His neck? Neck. Oh, neck. <laughs> what the hell is like, wrong with you? I don't know. I, I've seen that picture. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's people, you know. Yeah. You've seen centaurs and stuff, but there wasn't one of a woman is typically not the upper half. It's usually a guy. I thought you said, was trying to say knack and sack. No. I thought he was pointing an arrow at his sack. No, she's pointing it at his neck. Oh. And what was very odd about this is the fact that... We Did talked she hit to, him? I don't know. It's a picture, so it wasn't an animated oh. cartoon short. Oh. But as we talked about before on the show... People who were left-handed back in these days were considered evil. <gasps> really? Yeah. If you were left-handed because it was odd, that was a sign of the devil. So the fact that this... Christian's the devil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, my God. And Alex. And the fact that this left-handed woman, half beast, half animal, mm-hmm. was pulling the bow back, that would show mm-hmm. that that's probably uh, an indication of like the half animal, half yeah, person yeah. that were oh, running yeah, around yeah. Right. out there. That's what they think that was supposed to symbolize. But obviously, pulling the showing it was left handed showed mm-hmm. that it was evil. Oh, gotcha. And also showed that women rule. So, yeah. <laughs> watch out for your nut sacks. Now, what really makes us strange is the fact that um, a centaur is a creature that is basically talked about in pagan mythology. Mm-hmm. It's not something you would see on a Christian church, which is where this was. It was on the wall of oh, a church. wow. So it's just very odd. Yeah. 
Now, we'll switch gears for a second. We talked earlier about a Swedish uh, missionary that was also a uh, black magician. We're going to talk a little bit about him. Now, he was the he was like a rogue um, mercenary, and he was of the of the group that was called the Commander of Brigand. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what he was doing. His name was Aranto. He chose it as his headquarters during the Thirty Years' War, which we talked about earlier. The castle was empty during this time, so he just hightailed it in there and made himself in there. And Aranto was reported to be an alchemist and a black magician who performed occult experiments there at the castle. Now, Aranto's soldiers became such a terror to the locals that two hunters actually got up the nerve to sneak up to Huska Castle in the middle of the night, and they shot Aranto through a window where he was supposedly, according to legend, working in his laboratory, and he was trying to discover the elixir of eternal life. So there was windows, real windows. There were some, yeah, but just all of them weren't real. Okay. So he was making up an elixir? For eternal life. Oh, cool. So it's like his timing was a little off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just missed it. Just, yeah. Just close. Now, a few hundred years later in 1836, during a walking tour of the, re- uh, the region, there was this Czech poet by the name of Carol Heinick Macha. Could mm-hmm. be Maka, but I think it's Macha, so we'll say that. He spent the night in Huska Castle because this apparently was like a long walking tour. It wasn't like a, just an out for a walk. In his dreams, he had a terrible vision. He wrote about it later in a letter to his friend uh, Edward Hindle. Macha described his soul as descending into that pit. Oh, no. Now, he said then he was transported to a hellish Prague, the city of Prague, in 2006. Now, keep in mind, this was 1836. He says he was transported to Prague 2006 where he basically wandered around in horror and despair. He said he met a girl that showed him uh, moving pictures in a small casket. Keep in mind, they didn't have any kind of movies or anything in 1836 or cell phones. Are you saying 2006 and you mean in 2006? That's what he says he was transported to. Okay. And he said, this girl shows him he's moving pictures in a small casket. And in the darkness, he walked among some high sandstone cliffs. And they were riddled with holes that projected an eerie yellow light. That's extremely close to um, modern-day Sidliste, which is right there in the area. Um, the enormous blocks of the flats, which today and present day, they kind of loom over the outskirts of Prague. And he's saying he saw this in 1836, and none of that was like that at that time. Oh, wow. So was it really a dream, or did he really get transported somehow, some way, in a time slip to 2006 Prague for a while to be able to see what was going on? Because everything that he said he saw is now like that. That is crazy. Now, there's plenty of people people that actually believe that he was transported in a time. And who knows? I mean, it seems to fit. But that seems to be the, the notion is that most people think that that's what happened, that it wasn't a dream. Oh, my gosh. How scary. So there's all kinds of, of other strange stuff that, that's went on at this castle. In 1939 to 1945, the Nazis invaded and they took over the whole country of Czechoslovakia at the time. The German SS took over the castle. Now, there's no record as to why they did this because they destroyed all the records and evidence when the um, 
uh, forces, the American forces and the uh, uh, Russian forces started kind of moving in on them, they got rid of everything and hightailed it out of there. So there's no record of what they were yeah. really doing there. But what we do know is that in the inner courtyard, they found three dead German soldiers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dang, <Ninja. laughs> There was no strategic reason uh, to be there, as we discussed earlier. So yeah. why would the Germans take this over? And most say they were there for occult reasons. Oh. The Nazis were obsessed with the occult. And Hitler put uh, Heinrich Himmlin uh, in charge of the SS of trying to find mm-hmm. a supernatural weapon. Oh. Because he went, that's, you know, he figured there's, there's got to be a way to, from the occult, to be able to fight people without just using your regular weapon. So he wanted a supernatural weapon. And he put him in charge of that. And. It's not unreasonable to think that they were trying to harness the evil that was rumored to be under the the castle. Yeah, it's also rumored to be a secret, um, I guess, breeding farm where they were trying to create the master race. Hitler Mm -hmm. was, Mm -hmm. and supposedly what was happening there is young women with exceptional blood were given stud service, we'll say, by able-bodied SS troops at the time in an effort to obviously make the master race what kind so, of blood exceptional blood well how do you know it's exce- exceptional blood <laughs> well, i mean i don't understand that well because he he had his idea of of the you know not having jews mixed in with it not having you know somebody who was just pure white of german descent he would have considered oh to I, be got, acceptable I understand bloodline. that okay so after the war was over um it was necessary to clear out the castle grounds of landmines that the Germans had left there. Oh my God! How right. do you know? How do you do that? I don't. Well, just going Ooh, around and yeah. And if you step on it, boom, and you found one. I but guess. that's one of the reasons that they will not. Because people all the time are like, well, why don't we just find out there's a gate to Holder? Let's let's look at it now with modern technology and see if we can figure it out. That's one of the reasons why the current owners won't allow anybody to dig on the property because there's that chance they could hit a landmine. Oh, my gosh. But I would think with today's technology, though, that... Well, they should be able to spot it, You should be able to go through some kind of sonic something or other. I know. That's still so scary, though. But let's talk about... That's the history. But let's talk about the ghosts. Well, wait. So, if it's in the middle of nowhere, then why don't you just blow it all up? Why would you want to blow up a castle that you own and it's a business thing for you? People are coming every day to view this thing. Well, that's true. So, there you go. Huska Castle is still very active today. Modern-day visitors to the castle claim that they've had many unexplainable experiences, followed by instances of a very bad luck, kind of like Robert Adal. Yeah. So Hannah McGee, she's the owner of McGee's Ghost Tours in Prague, said that when her and her husband Tyler went in there for the first time, that they went in with their dogs, and she said she felt extremely uneasy the whole time she was in there, especially when they came to the courtyard. She said her dog Bobo started barking its head off and became visibly excited even though there was nothing there. They're basically out in, you know, the middle of nowhere, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tyler said he felt like he was being followed and watched the whole time by some type of a predator. He said just it was just such a feeling that you mm. just felt like you had to keep looking over your shoulder. That's a terrible feeling. So they went uh back to the Prague and, and that night mm-hmm. where they were living at. So they go back to Prague and they park their car 
and did their ghost tours that they do there. And they said when they came back out a couple hours later, their car had been stolen. No. And then it turned up a couple hours later completely trashed. Oh, man. But that's the kind of bad luck that they're oh. talking about. So you, yeah. they went and visited it and later on that night. Within a couple hours, their car's been taken, trashed, and all that. Wow. That sucks. But visitors claims that they hear scratches and screams and knocking coming from under the floor of the church. Oh. And we know what's under the floor of the church. The uh, current owners said that he was having the, the, the gentleman that owns it. I'm not going to try to butcher his name again. But he said that he was having a meeting in there, and his drinking glass was sitting on the table, and it just levitated up, sat there for a second, came back down, sat on the table, and then slid completely off the table. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> he said that uh, there was a young lady by the name of Zdina... Verzalona and her husband they were in there and she said that these two faceless humanoid type shadow people walked right past her and mentioned that they had killed two women two young women what? She said they, it's like they whispered it right in their ear as they passed like, by we killed two young women like that I'm pretty sure oh my gosh that would have freaked me out so then so you got the, the caretaker there that he said he's witnessed, this is my favorite one, because I've never heard this anywhere else, unlike the lady in white, which they do have. But um, he says that there's a headless body that he saw walking on the grounds. He said it just stumbles through the courtyard, but... Because <laughs> he ain't got no head? Yeah. He can't see where he's going. But it has blood gushing out of it nonstop. Ooh. So this apparition's got no head but blood gushing everywhere from it. Um, that seems a little far-fetched. Really? We talk about the gates of hell, winged creatures, and that seems far-fetched. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. So in the chapel area, many people have encountered a creature that is part human, part frog, and part bulldog. You can't make that kind of stuff. Uh, that's, that's like got, monkey. That's, what is that like? That monkey baby boy yeah. <laughs> on that commercial. What was that? Uh, baby monkey boy or pup, baby puppy monkey baby? Oh, pu- yeah, puppy monkey baby. <laughs> oh my gosh! I wonder which part was the frog and all that. You got pictures I, of that? No, I don't have any pictures of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, then, other common sites are several different shadow figures, and of course, our infamous lady in white with a white dress. But she's blonde. This oh, one is. she's blonde? This one's blonde. So most of the time, that's not it. Yeah. That. It's crazy. It's the Huska Castle. Man, I would kind of like to see that, but not really. I kind of don't want to go to Czechoslovakia. Now, we got some friends on the Dark Myth um, Collective. Travis Dow, who's actually, he's, uh, he does, what is it called? The Bohemian Podcast, mm-hmm. I think it is. Him and his buddy actually live in Prague. Get out. Yeah, so they've been to the castle and... Uh, if I'd have had more time, I would have tried to set up an interview so he could have told us oh, what man, he saw Oh, man, that would there. have been so great. But maybe I'll get him set up for one, and we can, he can still talk about it on a different show. Yeah, that, is, so. that was a very interesting story. So now what I want to do is um, I want to play this Adam Berry interview because he's phenomenal. I love it. Phenomenal. Every one of these people, and this is going to probably be the last um, – Big big name interview we have for a little bit because we're gonna we got some other podcasts that we want to get on and, and some mm-hmm, uh, friends definitely. of the show and stuff. But you know, man, it's been a heck of a run. I mean, look wow. at look at what we've done in the last six weeks. We've had Amy Bruning, Adam Berry, 
uh, who else we have? We had John E.L. Tenney last week. We've had Grant Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've still got uh, Chad Lindbergh. Chad. Mm-hmm. We've still got Chip Coffee coming up. He's hard to get scheduled. He's super in demand. Oh, I'm sure. So, and everybody tells me Chip's like extremely salty, and he's got a very vulgar mouth. And I'm nice. extremely excited for that. Yeah, so. I know you would be because <laughs> you don't get to, <laughs> you don't get to see that on the regular shows. Yeah, does, yeah. I just want to hear him drop the f bomb a couple of times. Oh. So. Wow, but we have been very fortunate and blessed that we've had these these people come on our show. Man, it's just we have to pinch ourselves sometimes. It's just hard to believe. And and Lindsay Center, S E N T E R from Center Stage Events has helped us tremendously in lining all yes, of these people has. up. Yes, she has. Thank you so much. And I want to give a big shout out because I haven't done it yet, but I want to give a big shout out to her. If you guys are out there listening and you have some type of an event or you, or you would need to uh, get in touch with these folks or you want to try to put together an, an event and you need some of these uh, guys and gals out there, you can uh, just send her a message, send her stage events and look her up on google and, and she's the one that can help you out so thank you Lindsay. we appreciate you darling all right without further ado let's hear mr adam berry all right guys this one's been a long time coming uh because i, I promised you some of the best uh, entertainment as far as the top paranormal investigators out there this gentleman definitely fits that bill so I'm pleased to welcome Adam Berry, host and uh, one of the producers of Kindred Spirits. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I've been excited because I've told Amy this when she was on, but your guys' show, Kindred Spirits, is my favorite paranormal show out there. To be honest with you, it's the only <laughs> one I watch. Um, amazing. You know, we 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 hear that a lot. We hear that a lot, and it, it makes us really happy. I think. Uh, we're very proud of it. I, we set out to do something different and unique, and something we believed in. And I think it—we're—we're uh, we're so blessed that it worked out the way it did. I try to be a little different than some of the other people that have done interviews, probably with you. You—you uh, yeah. you probably get asked the same things over and over, and I'm going to ask <laughs> some of those. But I try to make it a little bit different and have some fun with it. So I'm going to start off with one that's probably routine for you. Okay. I know you got into paranormal investigating because of an experience that you had at Gettysburg, if I'm correct. Can you tell us what that experience was that got you so fascinated with the paranormal? I can. I will give you I will give you the condensed version. uh, But uh, everyone that's listening, you can go. This is a true story. We did these for Destination America online, like .com, and so they we they interviewed us about our stories, and we told these long versions, and they actually animated them, which I thought was so insane, <laughs> and it actually makes it even more creepier. So if you if you want the long version, go to uh, DestinationAmerica.com and click on uh, that video under Kindred Spirits. So the the shorter version is, I was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania with uh, a group of friends and i decided to go on a ghost tour at at midnight you know of course at midnight uh, duh and um i we went through the tour we did the farnsworth house um we ended up going down to the battlefield and this was like in 2005 i think 2005 uh, six, maybe the beginning of six. And, uh, there's a, everyone that's been to Gettysburg, they know that there's a high school there and there's this, uh, track and field, uh, in the middle of it. There's like a, you know, track with a football field. And so, uh, we went out there and this guy was like, so this, this area was thousands of people had, had died and 
they say they see activity on the field and in the line of trees that are there. And um, uh, he was telling the story, and this is our last stop on the tour. And I said, um, I want to go down there. And he just looked at me and I said, do you mind if I go down there? And he was like, well, I wouldn't go down there. And I said, okay, cool. So I went, obviously. Um, and I walked down this hill, like across this this grass, and I walked to the edge of these this line of trees and I just stared into what I was hoping, you know, I don't know what I was hoping to see, but I just stared and I wanted to see something. And it took about, I'd say, maybe a minute, a minute and a half. And I started seeing giant, um, what looked like orbs, but they were misty. They were white, uh, almost cream color. And they would, they were walking. I say walking, but just moving behind the trees. So the trees would break the light that they were giving off. I'm giant. I'm giant. They they were human size almost, or like half human size. Um, and they there were a couple of them, and I would see them kind of come and dissipate and then they would go and dissipate. And I remember thinking like, what, like, what the, what the heck is this? Like, what is this? And so I ran, went, ran back to where my friends were. Uh, they were at their, the restaurant at the Farnsworth. And I grabbed one of my friends and I, and I said, you've got to come see this. I'm like, this is crazy activity. So we go back down to where I, we stood and I, as this, and I had this attitude of like, okay, so show me, show him, show what, show him what you, I, you just showed me. And, um, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So like any good horror movie, we walked into the line of trees. <laughs> like any good horror movie, we <laughs> left civilization behind. We walked into the line of trees and we stood there for a minute and uh, we heard gunshots. I heard distant like cannon fire. I heard what sounded like groans, like people groaning. Um, I the the weirdest thing was at one point we both said let's go this way but it was opposite directions and I knew instinctively not to do that for some reason I was just like no let's not do that and then the last thing that happened was there was this tiny almost cat cat's eye orb because it was white but also had this blue tint to it and it came floating in out of the trees right up to basically my face, giving off light, like giving off light on the side of the trees. So I know it wasn't a bug. It was actually giving off light. And then it zipped down a path, uh, one of the three paths, like as if, you know, come this way. And of course I didn't. And we both, we both at that point were like, okay, this is enough. And we left. And um, I stayed awake the entire night trying to grasp what was happening and what it was. I wasn't in a position at that point to like look for speakers or look for a reason behind it. Um, but it, that was the catalyst really for me because I, I knew I wasn't crazy. It had happened to myself and to someone else. So we both can't be, you know, the same sort of crazy. <laughs> and um, I, it, it just propelled me to find out what it was. And I've been back, you know, I go back with Amy and strange escapes and I've been to Gettysburg a, a few times and, and the scenery has changed. There's actually an access road that goes right beside that line of trees at pavement. So if everyone's listening and you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. There's this access road that goes behind this hotel uh, right there, and there's this uh, there's this gate. Now I know it's illegal to go on the go there uh, in the evening. Uh, I think it's illegal to go on the national national park in the, in the evening. But um, you just you know go through that little gate. Uh, it, it, 
uh, don't break any laws and just walk back, you know, about 50 feet. And that's about where we were. And I've gone there a couple of times to see if I could see anything happen. And I, you know, things have moved around. Uh, I've heard things walking and moving, but again, you know, you're outside, so you're trying to figure out if it's nature or if it's something real. Um, but, uh, I encourage people, you know, help me figure out what it is <laughs> really. And you know what's funny, but to, for someone like myself that's so fascinated with the paranormal, for whatever reason, I've never had a fascination with Gettysburg. Okay, yeah, I, I could see that, though, because he, everyone talks about it as if it's, like, the thing. They're like, oh, Gettysburg, Gettysburg, Gettysburg. And I, I can totally see that. I, what made you, like, what made you not be in it, you know, be, like, all gung-ho about it? You know, I don't know. I think it's just the whole Civil War aspect of it just didn't doesn't thrill me for whatever reason. But, yeah, I'll, yeah. but I'll be honest, we did a show on it, and it ended up being a, about a two-hour show. And do, during all of the research that I did, I'm now captivated by it. If by I don't, I just didn't yeah. look into it before. Yeah, I mean, Amy and I have investigated it. On we investigated, it, of course, with the events, but on Ghost Hunters, and I we did have access at night to a battlefield, and um, uh, it was the most electrifying, one of the most electrifying experiences because you can just tell. You can, you know, you feel that kind of energy that's that's there. We saw uh, the full-bodied apparition of a soldier, um, in you know, that was looking right at us. We both saw it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating piece of American history that um, we obviously will never forget, and we will be taught for years and years. And I think the um, the spirits that are there. Uh, you know, no, I think they know that. I, th I think they genuinely know that they aren't forgotten, and so they're not afraid to interact with us. <laughs> it's definitely on my list of places to go to in the next year, which I never would have thought, you know, six months ago I would have said that. But, yeah, I'm, I, I can't believe that I've cheated myself all these years at all these great stories because yeah. I didn't delve into it. But All right, next question. Yeah. I saw a video on YouTube. Oh God. oh God, what is it? <laughs> I'm, oh, no. I'm assuming it was an audition video for Ghost Hunters. And mm. I'm going to speculate that that's how you got to be part of Ghost Hunters Academy. Okay, yeah. So the, yeah, oh my God. This is like, you know, uh, this is your life. Remember that TV show yep. when they bring out things? Um, yeah, it is. I mean, that, what they, what they asked me to do is I was at home uh, eating, oh God, I couldn't even tell you what I was eating. Oh, I was eating uh, uh, tacos. I think I was having tacos and watching Ghost Hunters. Because what do you, what else do you do on a Wednesday Wednesday night back in like 2008, I think, or nine? And um, I saw a commercial that said, "Do you think you have what it takes to be a ghost hunter?" And I was like, "Well, duh, yes, like of course." And so I went to the website. And I filled out the form and I attached my, you know, information. They asked a ton of questions ranging from how old you were to where you lived, were you on a team? And I was on a team. I had my own team at the time, uh, Provincetown Paranormal Research. Um, and it, they just asked your interest. And then I got an email a couple of days later that said, we, we'd love to do a phone interview with you because we like I get. I guess you know they liked what they saw based on my experience and my passion for the parent, you know, the field, 
And so I did a small interview uh, with uh, someone from uh, Pil- uh, Pilgrim Films, I believe, because that's who makes Ghost Hunters, the production company. And then um, they said, okay, well, do me a favor. We're going to send you a list of questions. We just want you to make a video of these list of questions. And uh, I, I did. I sat down, and the only way I knew how to upload it was YouTube. And I haven't taken it off. Thanks for reminding me. I won't. I'll leave it on for a little bit longer, but I think I'm going to take it off eventually. Um, but I, I just made a video, and I answered the questions honestly and truthfully exactly how I thought it. And I didn't care because I had nothing to lose. Like, what, what, what am I going to do? Really? Like, I'm really going to go and, like, be at a ghost show? That's impossible. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen, especially a show that I've watched a couple of times. Like, it's not going to happen. So I just did it. And then um, a year, it took a, about a year and a half. Season one happened, and I never, uh, they never called me, never talked to me about it. And then out of the blue in um, 2010, I think February, they asked if I could leave the next day. They actually sent a car. <laughs> <laughs> to pick me up in the morning, um, in the morning of like, it was like 3 a.m. This like car picked me up and took me to the airport and I flew to Trans-Allegheny. No, I flew to Waverly Hills. And that was the first, and I literally was the same day I flew to Waverly Hills and we started investigating. So when you see that first day of us like on Academy, like talking, I look like a zombie because I had been up, I had been awake for almost 24 hours at that point but yeah it, it is there i mean did you like the video i was, was i mean i feel like it you know it's me i, I wasn't trying to put a, anything on it just being honest <laughs> i'm gonna be honest with you i got a lot of enjoyment from that video <laughs> you Great. i mean the reality of it is you know I, I look at like your pictures and stuff like that all your all your headshots and you look so serious and I know God help me. And I, and I, you know, and I know you just watching from the shows. I mean, you've got some personality, but that was if that is you when you're not That's on me. the set, you're the guy I want to hang out with because. Well, here's yeah. Keep going. No, I got something to say. Keep going. No, that's what I was gonna say. You just you had that video showed how much personality that I think the average fan of yours may not realize that you have. Well, you know, that's that is one of the things that made us want to do Kindred Spirits because it was I was like. I am I I can't I mean Amy and I are not arm like we're not negative people. I mean we do have moments clearly where we're like mad about something, but we like to smile and we like to be personable and our whole investigating style is you're walking into a space, pretend basically we pretend like it's a party that we've been invited to and we know no one. You're not going to be grumpy, you're not going to be dressed all in black. I mean, there's no offense to anyone who does that, by the way. I mean, I totally, it's their style, but our style is a bit different. We're the most cheerful ghost hunters I think you'll probably ever meet. And it was one of those things where like, we want to show up more of our personality. And if you watch, uh, if you could have watched bonus clips from ghost hunters and seen that, you know, it was on sci-fi. I don't think they're up there anymore. But there are clips on Destination America that, you know, are like behind the scenes. We do interviews and we talk. And if you've ever been to an event where Amy and I are doing a Q&A together, I mean, you're going to laugh more than you are going to breathe, basically, because we're just normal, normal human beings who hunt ghosts. And the world, most of the world doesn't take us seriously. So how can we take ourselves seriously? You know, we just like have fun. 
Well, that's what I love about doing these interviews is when I interview somebody, I try to create questions that will allow them to be themselves. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've asked people before boxers or briefs and it usually catches them off guard or, you know, but, but people like that. I, I, that's what I asked Chad Lindbergh. I ended up with, you know, most, most of our female fans want to know boxers or briefs and he just thought that was hilarious, but that's, that's what this is about. It's about, you know, having fun. So I want to touch on something that I wasn't planning on asking you, but since you brought it up. Uh, we have an event, a live event here in about a month, April 28th, where um, my wife, who's my co-host, and I are having about 100 listeners, and we're doing back-to-back tours at Waverly. Tell me a oh, little yeah. bit about your thoughts of Waverly and where it compares to some of the other places that you've been to. Every, you know, Waverly makes all these top yeah. lists, but you go to a lot of these places. Where does it stand to somebody like yourself? Oh, God. Waverly's in the top five. Has to be. And it's not just, I'm not just saying that. Like, I haven't been to Waverly and I haven't been back to Waverly since the, uh, since the, uh, God, since I guess the, when they opened the nurses wing for us. And I don't, I don't know if Amy talked about this um, on her interview, but really that episode where we all went back to Waverly and they opened up the nurses wing for us for the first time uh, in years uh, Amy and I got our, we went in there and we started talking with these nurses that were there and they would knock for us. And I'm not talking about, oh, I heard a knock. I mean, I would put my hand on the frame of the window and say, knock next to my hand. And it would, and they would knock next to my hand where I could feel the vibration in my hand. We were able to pinpoint how many people were there based on, we were like, everyone just, one of you knock at a time and go one after the other. We counted about 12 to 17 of people, 12 to 15 people. And, you know, they were desperate for communication. They just wanted to know why they were there. We don't, we didn't know that they asked for prayer. And, you know, once we gave it to them, we, while we were praying, the knocks completely stopped. So if it were rain, if it were water dripping, if it were something natural happening, they would still be knocking during the prayer. There was silence. You could hear a pin drop. And then as soon as we said, amen, gave it a beat, knock, 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 it was happened again. And we couldn't stay. I mean, we literally, I think it was three or four in the morning and, you know, our production team was like, we're getting into overtime. We, you, we have to go. And, and we left, uh, that, that, that area and that building, you know, in tears practically because we could not do anything for them and they were desperate for answers. That's all they wanted was answers. And that was the catalyst for kindred spirits. I mean, we, we wanted to do more, uh, for, uh, you know, not, not only the people that were living with the activity, but those that were causing the activity, we wanted to do something for the spirits and for the homeowners. And we always talk about that experience as being, uh, the jumping off point for the idea of kindred spirits. It was like, let's just not say, okay, yeah, they're here and and leave. Let's find out who they are, why they are there. And if there's anything that we can do to ease their, um, you know, whatever they're experiencing, you know? So yes. So Waverly, yes, go, please go. Like it's, it's inexpensive to, to on your own, if you're listening and you, and you can't make these events, but you want to go one day, I believe it's like a grand for the entire night, but you get 10 friends together. That's only a hundred bucks and you've got the whole place to yourself the entire night. I mean, it's accessible. Uh, it's not really that accessible. I mean, there's not much around <laughs> it, but 
it, it is, it is, it is such an experience. And, you know, uh, I, I would go, I would go in a heartbeat, go in the, go when it's warm though, not too warm, but don't go when it's freezing. Cause I, I, for Ghostbusters Academy, I think we like froze to death. It was just insane. It was insane. It should be decent weather by the time we go. It's about a month from oh, now yeah. in, in that, oh. that area. So I, we live in Lexington, and so it's just a short trek up. But uh, It'll I, be gorgeous. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, I do want to touch on Kindred Spirits real quick. We're going yeah. ba- to bounce around a little bit because that's the only way I know yeah, how to do stuff. Fine. But you had mentioned why you started the show. And, and when I told Amy that it was uh, my favorite show, a lot of that is because you guys put the family and the spirits first. It's not... Um, a situation where it, it doesn't feel like, oh, we're doing it because this will get good ratings. It really feels like you're doing it for the right reasons, and I commend you on that. Right. Well, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I think um, our attitude is, you know, it, it. we, again, I you know, back to Ghostbusters Academy, we have nothing to lose. I mean, it's it's we are, there's a purpose for what we're doing. It's we wanted to show um, – family investigations because people i mean those of you who are in the field know people contact you all the time and say hey this is happening in my house this is going on and we are freaking out about it but to actually go into their home and help them through the problem and the situation from a level-headed perspective is uh is exactly what should be happening these days especially on television in my opinion um not that other people aren't doing that, but it's it's like it's going in and really focusing on what the issue is and solving it, and not um, you know not worrying about if, if the activity is slim. I mean, there are days that we do. I mean, cause we're there for like five or six days, so there are times we go the first two days and the activity is so quiet. We're even wondering if there's something here, but based on like our interviews with the family and us you know talking about what they're experiencing and them sending us pictures or evidence or things that they've caught or things that have happened, you know, obviously something is going on. Um, and then, you know, our production team gets really nervous. <laughs> they're like, wait a minute, what's this episode? And we always say, well, maybe this is the episode we don't find anything, you know, maybe, maybe that's what happens and that's what we show. Um, but we've been fortunate enough um, to, uh, you know, act, help these families and, and have these cases to actually pick apart. And, um, you know, we, we get hundreds and hundreds of submissions. So obviously we can pick and choose, uh, the ones that are the most desperate and the most, um, intense. And especially when there's children involved, uh, we automatically send those, um, for review and try to figure out if we can help them. So, um, you know, it doesn't come easy, but, uh, we, we think the formula works and I'm, I'm glad that other people do as well. Well, that kind of leads me right into what my other uh, couple of questions about the show was. One was, how do you pick the stories that get on the show? And part two was, do you have any stories that you guys actually go out and film or work with that don't make it on the air? Sure. Um, well, we don't. Um, we don't. I, we don't do enough episodes. I mean, Ghost Hunters. I think they did a, a. We did a few that never made air, but we only have a certain amount of episodes. So. Um, I, I think what you see is what you get. If, if we find nothing, then it's the episode where we don't find anything. And we talk about, well, what else could it be? Could it be psychological? Could it be, um, you know, mental, whatever it is. And, um, so, uh, basically we put a call out 
Well, we get submissions all the time. I mean, based on what we do, people email us all the time. And, and, and if you're listening and you've emailed me and I haven't gotten back to you, we get a lot. And I, I please hold tight. Um, I, and then we, we basically go through or we put a call out for uh, people who are experiencing activity. Um, they contact us. They give us a piece of their story. We read them. Um, and then the ones that we really connect to emotionally or seem to be of the utmost, in, uh, like we, they, it's got, they need help now, today, right now. Um, if we can't physically do it, like somebody from Alaska wrote us, if I can't physically do it, then we will, I will, you know, suggest teams that may be able to help them that are in their area. Um, but if, you know, if they are within that, you know, that filming area that New England, we try to stay in New England as much as we possibly can. We send it to our production team. They contact them. They interview them to make sure um, that they are level headed, if you know what I mean, because we are walking into their home. Like we aren't we aren't just like walking into a business. It's someone's actual home. Um, and then there's a small you know process of, of figuring out. Hopefully they're not just doing it for television because that will, you know, will, will, we will not go. Um, my favorites are the ones who say, you know, I have no idea who you are. I've never seen your show. I don't know anything about what you do, but my daughter said that you can help me with my problem. Those are my favorite because I know they aren't doing it for television. They actually need help. Um, and, uh, if you're listening, do not write me that. Now I know it's <laughs> a what, trick. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it is a trick. So you're going to have to find another way in. No. Um, but we can tell. We genuinely, we, we read them all the time. And we, we gen, can tell when people are being genuine, especially after we interview them and talk to them on the phone. And, um, you know, they go through a background check. You have to do background checks. And, um, you know, for our safety, again, we're going into people's homes. We don't really know. Um, but um, once we're there, I mean, they they immediately open up to us and they tell us everything that's happening. And usually they, you know, some of them cry within the first 10 minutes that we're in their house because finally some, somebody is there listening to them and not looking at them like they're crazy. Like, you know, the phone interview that we do with the client before we go where I, you know, it's, we take turns and we ask them questions again about their experiences and, you know, we're doing it from a, from our investigative brain, we're, you know, interviewing them. And so a lot of the times we say like, oh yeah, I've seen that before. Or I know that I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, no need to worry about, you know, and they can't believe it. They literally can't believe They're like, what do you mean you've seen it before? I'm like, no, I've seen it. I've seen it before. You know, and they're like, oh, there's other people that have this. I'm like, yeah, there are, there are other people. And um, so that's how, that's how we, we end up, picking the the places that we go but to to add to that point i think kindred also enables people that are at home who are having who, who are having activity if they see that similar activity on the show they can go oh okay this is what i should do as well it's almost like a self-help without being you know without taking a class or reading a book it's like you watch and you go oh wait i hear footsteps what could it be you know it could be the pipes it could be this that and the other and um you know just kind of easing their fears at the same time well that makes sense sense. i mean it makes complete sense so you mentioned a while ago sometimes you'll get into a place first couple of days there's not a whole lot going on 
And I'm going to tie this into something we talked about earlier, your famous audition YouTube video. Uh I've made it very clear on this show, my thoughts on a certain type of paranormal investigating. And every investigator I get on, I always ask this question. You kind of answered it for me in the video. How do you feel about investigators that tend to taunt um, what looks like for the purpose of strictly television ratings? What is your thoughts on that style of ghost hunting? I don't expect you to name names or shows, even though you did in the video, uh, but we're we're on the same page. (laughs) I mean, I, let me, let me, okay. So that video uh, was almost 10 years ago. Correct. Right. So I I have met many people in the in the paranormal community and I have met people in person. So uh, you know, obviously it's one of those cases where you see what you see on television, whether you like that or not, is for you to decide, but you really don't know the person behind it. Like you just don't. It's not I mean, like nobody knows how funny we are, nobody knows how, you know, how how other people who are being filmed on television are outside of what you see on television. So having said that, um, I, I think, I think people are very, very nice. I think people are, um, I think, uh, everyone has a different investigative style. And if, you know, if someone goes out and does that or, or does their style and they are getting results, whether I think it's appropriate or not, um, may not be the the may not matter because that that is what they do and that's how they um, that's how they get their results right so I mean and I can't tell you because I'm not there when people film their TV shows so I have no idea um, what what's happening behind the scenes or if they're if if they're playing it up or like I, I don't I just don't know because and no one knows you know we just see what we see and we make our own assumptions so I'd say in terms of investigative style everyone does it differently we we tend to be on the uh, on the more level I think a level side there's like a level of it that we do get excited we do not provoke it's not our thing because we we feel like. You know, what if that person was your my grandmother? Like, what if that the case in point, the episode where the investigators went in and they seemed a bit harsh? We turned out it was that nice old lady. I was pissed off because she wasn't talking to us, and it took us so long to get her to communicate with us because she was terrified by what these people had done. They had good intentions. Aside that, you know, they had good intentions. They meant well. They thought they were helping their friends. It just wasn't the way to go about it. And so we don't investigate that way. Um, so, again, you know, people have different styles. If it works for them, that's great. It's not how we operate. Um, and I, I know that you can see that from watching our show. Um, and, and also, everyone should understand, like, it, it, is, it is a TV show. So if you don't see Amy and I cracking it up and you meet us in person, you go, oh, wait, you guys are actually really funny. It's like, yeah, because they don't show that. If you've never met us in person or heard us speak in a Q&A outside of uh, the television show, you would think that that is how we are. Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of sad because we're we're fun people and, you know, we're all, all normal we just, and we like to have a good time and we just we might do things a little bit differently. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. <laughs> good. So let me ask you this. Um, yeah. I've got some listeners that actually sent me some questions and we like oh, to... Oh, these are my favorite. 
So, <laughs> but before we get into the listeners, I do have one yeah. more question about kindred spirits. Perfect. And I asked Amy this, and I got a feeling you're going to have the same answer. Yeah. Which episode has touched you the most from all um, of them? Oh, God. So can I do one from each season? Sure. Okay. So season one was uh, the basement episode uh, where the the um, the homeowner was living in her, the house that she had been living in and her brother was murdered in the basement and she wouldn't go down. That that right there, it to me, is Kindred Spirits. That episode was exactly what, what we set out to do. And when we did that episode... Um, when we did that case episode aside, like when we did that case, it was like, yep, that's it. Um, so that was for season. you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. That's, that's actually the one Amy said. And that was the one I said was my favorite episode too. So it's incredible. The matchbox cars, the moving of the dollar, the, the like playing EVPs, the, it was his voice. Like, Oh my God. It's, it's so good. And then, um, Season two is is hard because they were all they were all pretty interesting. Um, I think. Uh, well, I mean, my God, I'm now thinking of three. So I'm thinking of the tombstone in the backyard. I'm thinking, and I'm thinking of the two Florida cases, the Native American, and then the um, uh, the mold episode. So <laughs> like, it's hard. I, I would say they all they all send out in different ways. Like the. The Tombstone episode, we were able to help a veteran, which I was it's, – it's, it's always an honor to help someone who's helped us. Um, I say the – you know, the, 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 the mold episode blew my mind because these, the, these entities were warning the current homeowners of something that they were suffering from, which was in, – that's insane, insane to me. And then uh, – you know, uh, Del, uh, not Del, Ann, um, uh, when, we, when the native American came up, we, you know, as investigators, it's the first thing you take off the table because everyone says, Oh yeah, there's a native American burial ground here. Or like this was native American land. And we all go, yeah, yeah. Cause it never is the case. Like that never is the case. So the first thing you remove from the table, you can base it off history, research, whatever it is. And we just could not remove it. We could not take it off the table. And when it became the the spirit in the house, and it was like, it needs prayer. And it's like, you know, we, we bring in this shaman. Like, Amy and I are big, uh, you know, we're, we're like, we do not believe in portals. We do not believe in, like, crossing things over. And that's a whole other question if you want to ask me. But <laughs> it's just something we don't ascribe to. Because, you know, you somebody's like, oh, they crossed something over, and then you go back, and they're still there. It's like, you know, we find we get more results by finding out what they want and what they need, and then eventually they kind of go away. So we bring in this shaman, and Amy and I are looking at each other. If you watch, like, I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, what? This is going to be so crazy. But then he went to every single spot in the house where there was activity, and I, we could not believe it. So when he was like... I'm going to sit, I'm going to open a portal to this guy. We were like, okay, you better open that portal, open it up because we, you're, you've been right. You've been right this entire time. And my mind is literally blown right now. So whatever you're doing is, you've got to be working. And so it's, it's one of those things where I am fascinated and, um, I am moved or shocked 
every time we do something because you don't know what you you're going to get at the end. You just don't know. You start the case thinking it's one thing and it rarely is that outcome because there are so many factors in what you're doing. And so I'm sorry for not actually answering your question, but that's like, I got you season one and then I'm going to pick those three for season two. <laughs> that's fair enough. I guess it's kind of like kids. You just can't pick your favorite, even though I no. do. No, try to pick your favorite Easter candy today because it's Easter. Go to your cap, go to your kid's uh, little Easter basket and you try to eat just one piece of candy. No, it's not going to help. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> All right. So let's get into these listener stories or questions, yes, I should say. Let's do it. So Amy wants to know, she's got a two-parter, and I liked both of them, so I used both of them. First and foremost, from an enjoyment standpoint, explain the differences between ghost hunters and kindred spirits as far as your enjoyment. Oh, from an enjoyment standpoint, wow. Um, I mean, okay, so it's two totally different things. I think my relationship, I mean, obviously there were more people on ghost hunters, so I miss like I literally miss hanging out with, you know, uh, th- those. I miss hanging out with Steve and Dave and 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 um, and Grant and Britt and you know, there's there's just like there's just memories that I have, especially with those with the crew, being on the road for so long that I will never change. Like I just will never change. It was it was an amazing experience. We had the best time, one of the best times of our lives, really. Um, and the cases, like we were allowed to go into places that uh, no one had access to. I mean, they took down the ropes for us. Like it, we were respectful. They knew who we were. We got to do Pearl Harbor. We got to do the uh, Nathan Hale Homestead. We got to do Mark Twain House. And, you know, and it's it it's fascinating history wise to be standing in a place where something happened that changed the way that we see the world or our country and to, to be holding pieces of artifacts, you know, uh, that no one's allowed to touch, but you can, because, you know, you, because they know who we are and they know we're respectable. So, you know, ghost hunters, that, that was ghost hunters for me. And I, um, I will cherish it forever. Um, and I've actually, not watched any of it since it went off the air, but I might have to go back and like look at some of those episodes and be reminded of um, of just how uh, amazing it was. And then for Kindred Spirits, it's a completely it's it's a it's a completely different situation. I mean, Amy, it's just Amy and I. We run every aspect of the investigation. We it's a ton of work. It's good work. It's it's um, we believe in it. Um, it's satisfying work, and so we don't mind doing it. We don't mind losing sleep. Even after we go home, after investigating, we go back to the hotel, she and I get together, we have a glass of wine, and we talk about the case. We talk about ideas. We look up things on the internet. We are researching. Like It, it just never, never, never stops. And you know, We're doing more than just experiencing the paranormal and showing you the evidence. Like I said, we are helping these families come to a conclusion so that they can have their home back so they can take back uh where they live and they can have some kind of normalcy in their um existence and we're helping the spirit world we're not just leaving them and and saying okay you're here 
uh, maybe we can come back. You know, when, we always used to say that. It's like, well, hopefully we can come back one day and find out why you're here because we just didn't have any time to do that. And on Kindred, we do. And so that that is, um, for me, that's that's Kindred Spirits. So you can see why I, why I thought that was an interesting question because I knew the two shows were completely different aspects. Completely so. different. Completely different. And I think um, I wouldn't change either experience for the world. I, I, you know, I, I would not. I would not. I mean, especially... Well, I would I would say Kindred, you know, we're still experiencing it, but I wouldn't change uh, I wouldn't change uh, Ghost Hunters for the world. Now, Amy's second question is that she knows that you're really into the theater. Oh yeah, and she wants to know if your acting ability and your experience through the theater helps you with your empathy when you're dealing with either the um, homeowners or the spirits. Yeah, and to clear that up, I mean, people are listening to like, theater, what does that mean? He's an actor. Uh, no, I've been doing theater and musical theater since I was six years old. It's a, I'm, I love it to death. Um, I've got videos online of me singing. He's a singer? What? Yeah, go look. You can go on YouTube. <laughs> Adam Barry J is my YouTube handle. Check it out. I mean, I don't think, I mean, you tell me, you just tell me what you think. Um, so I've been doing theater forever and ever. And I think the one thing that, uh, I've always done and aspired to do is embody uh, the experience that they might have been having, like the entity. For instance, on Ghosters Academy, I used it as a um, special, like uh, I think we had to do like give us a technique that's it's unique or whatever. And Steve at one point said he's been doing this technique the whole time. Like we're in a location that's 1930s or 40s. He kind of embodies that persona of that period I, I like to use words from that period i like to use knowledge and information from that period but talk to them as if i'm from that period not just throw knowledge at them because i don't i don't think um just saying oh do you remember this singer do you know that singer it's like really talking about it and 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 becoming part of their world that they knew to make them more comfortable uh in order for them to speak to you if that makes sense. So that, I think, in a way, my theater background has absolutely helped me do that. And yes, I mean, empathy comes in many forms. I think uh, being uh, sensitive to people's issues as well, like family members and, and whatnot. But it, it also allows me, I can talk to people. Like, I'm not a stagnant um, uh, a person. Like, I, I, I can speak to a camera I can talk, do an interview. I can, um, you know, do this podcast. Like I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I think it, it helps you be more an outgoing person. And, and really for me, it, it, um, I, I don't, I don't really ever think I had a shell that I had had to burst out of. I think I was just like, you know, from the start, it was like, well, here he is. This is this guy. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, you know, theaters helped me in, in a lot of ways. And I do run, I run a nonprofit theater company in Provincetown, Massachusetts. I'm the executive director. Uh, it's called Peregrine Theater Ensemble. My husband is the artistic director. We started it six years ago. You can look us up on Facebook or peregrinetheater.com. We are doing hair this summer in Provincetown. It's going to be the best show you've ever seen. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we hire college age and grad school age uh, professional actors to come and be in our shows and we do kick butt theater and I uh, actually I'm doing a show next month if you're in on the Cape I'm gonna star in 
a Stephen Sondheim show called Merrily We Roll Along, and we open March, no, wait, May 9th and run through June 3rd. CapeRep.org. You can get your tickets and see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to. I haven't told a lot of people this because most people probably wouldn't guess this about me. They know I'm a music freak. Most people okay, do. Okay, yeah. Let's go. Hair is by far my favorite musical of all time. Well, I smell a road trip for you and the missus. <laughs> I smell a road trip. We are opening July 10th and running through September 4th or 5th. And we run Tuesday through Friday. I smell a road to rip. You know, the, the movie... I owned, and I, we moved. So we moved to the Virgin Islands, and we had to get rid of basically everything we owned. Yep. And I kept five DVDs out of yep. hundreds that I had. Hair was one of them that I kept. So good. I, I love my favorite thing about that is Nell Carter. Yep. Nell Carter is my favorite thing, and Twilight Thought choreography. Where like they're all like jumping on benches, and then all of a sudden they move like molasses, and then they speed up like they're on LSD. On ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's so good. And the you know, with with the the musical stage version of Hair, just to, we'll go back to Ghost, you guys. I'll bear with me. We'll go back to Ghost. The musical version of Hair on stage is radically different than the movie. It's like the movie they did whatever they wanted to do to tell the story of you know this of Vietnam and, and the hippie movement. And uh, I think it's one of it's really one of the best things. One of the best things ever. And see, I've oh, never. The, I've never got to see the the stage version because it never comes anywhere close to where we are. Because well, every I'm always checking to see if it pops up, and it just never does. Well, is your wife already googling Provincetown, Massachusetts, and like trying to? She's googling right now, right? At least she's like trying to figure out how to get there. I can already tell. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, another thing about the theater. Let's bring it back to ghosts. So I I strongly believe <clears throat> that. You know there are ghosts in theaters. I, if not, if not, you know every single theater, a, a lot of them have ghosts. Um, it is a tradition in the theater to leave when you shut down the lights off of everything. You leave a light on the stage, <clears throat> and it's called a ghost light. And it is to really, for safety purposes, it's to illuminate the space so that if uh, someone's walking on the stage, they don't fall into a hole or fall off the stage. But they call it the ghost light, so they illuminate the stage for the ghosts that are there, so that they can continue their work in the theater. Um, it's completely fascinating to me, and I think that there is a uh, when you, when an actor is on stage, they are giving off something uh, to an audience, and then that audience receives that, and then in turn gives back something to that actor, which the audience, which the actor feels. And um, it's like it, it creates this uh, loop of energy between the audience and between the actors on stage, and that creates the theatrical experience. And if if the spiritual world can't feed off of that, then I don't know what they can feed off of. I can guarantee you that they are in those seats, especially when they when something is being watched. Like I just watched, um, we just saw Angels in America, which just opened on on Sunday and on Broadway. We saw it Thursday and Friday of last week. And I have never been moved more by a piece of theater, which, by the way, it's in two parts. So it's eight hours long and you watch the first half and then you go home and the next day you watch the second half. And I have never been more moved. And you cannot tell me that there are not ghosts in that theater weeping along with everybody else and clapping along with everybody else. So, you know, uh, so I, I dare someone to tell me that ghosts don't the ghosts aren't in theaters because I, I definitely know they are. 
It's funny because that was her third question, and I decided not to write it down since she already had to, but you answered it anyway. So she'll be happy to know that. Well, she better tweet me <laughs> and tell me that I clear, I cleared the gamut and checked off all the boxes for her. Yep, you definitely did. So here, <laughs> Tina wants to know, when she's got two questions, yeah. her first question was, she knows that Amy is a very strong and competent investigator, but she yep. wanted to know if sometimes you take like that big brother approach, like if you're in a situation that might seem a little rougher than some of the others, do you keep an extra eye out for her? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, there was the whole, uh, you know, she had a baby situation. <laughs> I don't know if anybody remembers that. We were on uh, Ghost Hunters and, and she uh, she was pregnant on Ghost Hunters. And I, uh, she was on the road, I think, eight months of her pregnancy, seven months of her pregnancy, like a long time, you guys. And so we were partners on the show. And I, you know, felt the need to do that soccer mom arm save you know, going into a dark room to make sure she didn't fall down the stairs or like, um, you know, or get if, if she wasn't feeling well, being like, what can, what do you need? Like, yeah, making fun of her at all times, of course, like having, you know, making her it's just it's friends. It's like it's uh, we are we are friends on and off the television. Um, you know, my husband and I are um uncles to charlotte in in the, in the most major way we all go on vacations not just events we actually go on vacations she lives you know about an hour and a half from me so we see each other uh every once in a while and and we talk and um yeah so she's family she's definitely family and i you know i i'm guarantee you she feels the same way and um uh that little charlotte literally can get any dinosaur she wants from me she can get anything she wants <laughs> She's like Uncle Adam, but she she can do whatever she wants. So um, so yeah, of course. So other than the theater, what do you yep. like to do when you're not investigating? What what does a typical fun night for uh, Adam entail? It involves cocktails, I guarantee you. Um, <laughs> it involves vodka in a glass, chilled martinis are my favorite. Uh, if anybody is like think out there, being like, what does he like to drink? Martinis, a uh, vodka martinis, by the way. No vermouth, very dry. Uh, I like to see shows. I like to. Um, uh, I run. Well, I don't know. I, I keep my mind busy. I go to the gym a lot, uh, almost too much, I think, uh, maybe. And I uh, I just like you know I like to have fun. I like to go on trips and travel and. Um, but I don't think you can ever turn off the ghost thing. I think it's always there. Like it's. You know, you go to a nice hotel, you're like, oh, I wonder if the place is haunted, you know, <laughs> immediately. I, it's something you can't uh, you can't ever escape, which is fine because uh, we'll all be the same way one day. And what, you know, let's just find out what it is before we get there and hopefully it won't be as scary maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's what uh, I was thinking a while ago when you were talking about like being three o'clock in the morning and the production crews, like we're in the yeah, overtime like we, and, and I'm yeah. thinking, yeah, the ghosts are like overtime. Hell, we've been doing this for 60 years. <laughs> yeah. What do you know about overtime? <laughs> the ghosts are like, Oh yeah. And we were in the 1800s. So we were asleep by like 8 PM. What the hell are you doing? Talking to me at 12 AM. <laughs> like I was in bed at eight because the sun set. Okay. So like, what can you let me go to sleep? That's exactly what they're thinking. So Mike wants to know how you choose the equipment that you use. Mm. 
So the equipment is based on the circumstance. So we know who we're, we're trying to reach out to. We know who we're about to talk to. And so we pick our equipment based on who we're trying to communicate with or what we're trying to capture, whether it be a shadow figure, a child, like a child spirit, we'll use Boo Buddy or a trigger object. Um, sometimes we use trigger objects um, from the home. Um, yeah, a recorder, always, at all times. Cameras everywhere at all times. Um, Zoom recorders going at all times, not just using the Panasonic, like making sure that we are um, are using all kinds of audio. And um, uh, I, I'm obsessed with this new, um, this new audio equipment that I, I've been using. It's... Um, uh, binaural audio so uh, basically it records 360 degree sound and I've used it on Kindred Spirits and um, uh, you uh, soon you'll be able to get it off my website um, but it's it's amazing you you literally put these little microphones inside of your ear which doesn't inhib- inhibit you from hearing at all but what it does is it records the sound as you hear it because sound bounces off your ears and in, in your you know your ear canal and it creates that sound and when you listen back to it uh you hear it as if you were live right there hearing it um and you hear it in 360 degrees so you know which direction the sound was coming from um i think that piece of audio equipment is going to change the way we ghost hunt because um, they have stationary devices that you can leave overnight, and when you listen back to it, it's like you popped off your head, put it down on the floor or like on the desk or wherever you're leaving this audio, and leave, and you left, and you just, you know, it's like it's like the coolest thing in the world because there's no guessing about what it is and where it is as long as you know what the room looks like, you know. Um, so uh, I, I think I think bottom line. You base your equipment on who you're trying to communicate with and what you're trying to capture. Uh, and uh, you don't need fancy, expensive equipment. You can use a regular recorder, and you can use knocking, and you can hopefully get some some kind of response. See, that's that's a good. I didn't know about some of that equipment, so that's pretty cool. Oh, oh my god, it's so great! It's it's such a good thing, and um, I, I'll probably tweet about it or post about it when when it goes up. But I think. Uh, I think it's I think it's one of the best best things that's been created in a while. And nobody was using it for ghost hunting. I mean, and then uh, I came across a friend of mine who owns the company was like, "Hey, try this." And I was like, "Thank you. You're a genius." And, you know, I don't I don't think anybody uses it uh, for ghosting besides himself on events and me on Kindred Spirits. So, hopefully other people can start using it cuz it's definitely a game changer. All right, I've got two questions from me. That, okay, great. Uh, and Finally. Then, Jesus. <laughs> I know it. I'm, I'm wearing you out. And then I'll give you a chance. After we answer this, I'll give you a chance to uh, tell everybody how they can keep up with you on social media and how they can watch Kindred Spirits. But you mentioned your husband. Yeah. Is he involved in any of these investigations, or what is his thoughts on the paranormal, or is it something he just doesn't really have much of an interest in? Oh, no, no, no. He loves it. Um, uh, we, we started the research, our, our, our original team together, um, can you hear me now? Sorry, I'd lost you for a second. No, you're fine. Uh, we started our original team together uh, with our friends. So he loves it just as much as I do. Um, he gets to, he's come to, you know, when we're filming for Kindred, he's joined us. Ghost Hunters, he's joined us a couple of times. Uh, not on camera, of course, but like, you know, he's been there. He's been walking down the hallways for the, like the, the, um, the 150th episode we did at Trans Allegheny, he was there in the hallway behind the camera guy, like 
watching what we were watching and uh yeah so he, he he's totally into it uh thank god because i think it would drive him crazy if he if it weren't um he was very encouraging about getting me involved in like sending in that video that that's on youtube like you know he was very like just do it you know and uh uh it it's worked out i mean it's it's definitely it's obviously on, on ghost Hunters, it's very hard to be away as much as we were um uh you know but we made it through that and uh uh now he you know he loves it it thank you know thank god i say <laughs> <laughs> all right well that that leads me to a question, a very similar question that I asked Amy. And yep. she was a little surprised by the question. And you may be surprised by the question. Sure. But it all goes into perception as reality. Yeah. You work in a field that is predominantly straight males. Yeah. Do you see yourself as a possible role model for other gay individuals, whether it be male or female? Uh, to show them that they can jump into this field, even though they're not the norm, uh, and can make something of themselves and can go out and investigate and, and feel like that they're as good as anybody else. How, what are your thoughts on whether you feel like you're a role model or not? Absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, I think that, I think I don't, I don't have a choice about being a role model. I've, I've gotten tons and tons and tons of emails and letters that ex have expressed, you know, because you are on this show and because I follow you on Twitter and because you're so open about who you are and, and your life, um, that I, it's giving, it's giving me hope that I one day can be as comfortable with my sexuality as, as you are. Um, I think you would be very surprised, um, that there there are a, there are a ton of people in the paranormal field who are gay, whether they're male or female, um, and I think that's because I think I think gay people have been through it. Like uh, I mean, I I think there's a point where you know everybody grapples with their sexuality. If they're gay, they go, "Am I gay? How do I figure it out? How do I not be gay?" A and then, or, you know, how do I, and then finally there's an exception that they accept it. They're like, okay, so I can't change it. This is who I am. I'm going to be strong and I'm going to, I'm going to join the world as a gay individual. And I think, uh, there's a lot of empathy and, and sympathy that comes with doing something like that. So I think gay people are, uh, I think a lot of the LGBTQ community are attracted to ghost hunting and a lot of them do it. I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot. They may not, they may not say that they're gay because really that's not the point. You know, the point is to investigate. It doesn't matter if you're queer or you're transgendered or, or if you're, you know, questioning it, it doesn't matter. You aren't there to talk about your sexuality. You're there to investigate. Now, if, for the instance, the Gemini Lounge, where it was about the murdering of, you know, the, those gay people, the, the LGBTQ people in the bar. Um, and then I spoke out to them saying, I am gay. This is the year. This is who's president. This is what's happening. Um, it, please talk to me because I know it's very uncomfortable for you because it was from the 70s and they were hiding. Um, I think that's absolutely. Yeah, please use it because no one, the straight person can't do it. And you know, they, they are not going to be able to connect with that entity as, as much as you are. So I, I do think there's a lot of gay people in ghost hunting and, and doing it. I think that we are kind of engineered to that because we've been through it and we've sympathized. I think, 
you, people aren't going to know, A, because uh, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but I, I wanted to make it a point. I mean, people aren't going to know that they are or they're not because it's not anyone's, A, it's not anyone's business unless they want to share it. And uh, it's not the point of investigating. And um, I, I think it, it's truly almost almost harder to come out of the paranormal closet than it is to come out of the uh, the gay and lesbian closet these days. I mean, it. I, there are people in parts of the country, and if you're listening to me and you, you know, you think that you'll never be able to go, come out, you will, but maybe not in your current surrounding or standings. And you have to find a way out of your situation and be able to be comfortable with yourself, whether that's making a move or that's finding a trusted group of friends that you can count on. Um, to help you through that situation, like you can talk about being gay and lesbian. I mean, if you if you look from when I came out of the closet in ninety, God, ninety eight, ninety seven, uh, Ellen came out. Will and Grace, the first season, was on television, and that's all I had to go on. But nowadays, there's so much media and so many things on television that people can relate to. And I work uh, I work with a lot of college age kids, and I'm finding that it's not an issue for them. They don't talk about gay or straight. They are what they are. And no one really says, Oh, I'm gay. They just date who they want to date. So it's, it's such, it's such a strange thing for me to see because I came from, you know, such a place where it was like, Oh, I have to come out and do this thing. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, you know, telling people that you're a ghost hunter is almost, almost more frightening more frightening because they go i'm sorry what they're like no 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 that's like complete bull like <laughs> most people are like i don't believe in that i almost as strongly as you know when someone says they don't believe in they don't think gay people are right because of their religion i get people all the time saying what you're doing is talking to the devil every time you talk to a spirit it's actually a demon you're bringing you shouldn't do this how dare you like you know, it's it's an equal, and I also get crazy crazy ass hate mail too <laughs> about being gay and being open. You know, to the effect of uh, like the Gemini Lounge episode. I got I got a bunch of emails that were like, "You didn't have to say you were gay on television. Why did you have to do that? Now, what am I going to tell my daughter and my son when they ask me about it?" And I'm like, "Well, a you should talk to them normally about people." that are different than you whether you believe in it or not you know i mean obviously please don't talk to your children and tell, tell them the gay people are bad but like you should be having a conversation that there are other people beyond your social society where you live and b um of course i brought it up i had to i was the only one that could speak on an issue that was terrifying to them and now we don't have to be terrified about it, by it. So I, you know, I really do. I appreciate that question because um, there are a lot of people that reach out to me, and if and if people want to reach out to me and like, you know, talk to me about whatever, you can email me at adamberry at adam berry dot com. Adam Barry at adam berry dot com. You know, if even if you want to just say uh, thanks or no thanks or I I I'm having a problem or, or whatever it is. I mean, there sometimes someone just needs somebody to talk to. And um, I might not be the best person to speak on it, but um, uh, I definitely think I, I don't have a choice about being a role model. I'll be honest with you. The, that question was iffy for me. Uh, only I, yeah, well. Well, only because I know you're open about it, so that mm -hmm. wouldn't be the issue. But I don't think someone's sexuality should define the person. 
And, oh, God, no. and I'm sure that you get asked about that on a regular basis. And, and I was like, I'm not going to bring this up on the interview because I don't want to be the, the typical, well, this has got to be asked because it doesn't. But I had made up my mind that yeah. if, if your sexuality somehow or another came up during the course of the conversation that I was going to ask it uh, because I did think it's an important question as far as a role model status. And I do see you as a role model for people that, that feel like that they can say there's somebody who's in the public eye that has no problem uh, with who they are. And I, I, I think that's it. important. I appreciate it. I mean, I think I think it's a brave question to ask because obviously you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to offend my I don't want to offend my viewers or my listeners. Like, I, I don't I don't want to turn someone off from that conversation. But if they're like if they're upset just because we're having a conversation about something they may not agree with, then they should look into themselves and figure out why they're upset by it rather than being upset that we're talking about it, because, you know, the. There's a lot of things in the public eye right now being talked about that I don't agree with or that I agree with and vice versa to everyone who has an opinion. And we all have opinions because opinions are like buttholes and we all have one. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we all have to be OK with talking to each other and listening to each other. And we may not agree with someone, but we can try to understand where they're coming from. And really, that's that's the best that we can do. Adam, it's been so much fun having you on. Tell everybody how they can watch Kindred Spirits if they haven't. I can't imagine they haven't already. I but mean, what? Of course. Um, so you can watch Kindred Spirits by uh, going on to the DestinationAmerica.com uh, website or downloading the Destination, Destination America Go app. Now, you may not be able to access, if you don't get Destination America in your cable package, you won't be able, I don't think you can access those videos on the app or online. However, lucky you, you can get it off of iTunes. You can download season one and season two. You can uh, download it off of Amazon uh, Prime, I think. You can get it off of that. So there are ways that you can get it. And then people are like, you have to purchase it. Well, yes, you, you have to purchase the material. <laughs> but it's like it's like nine ninety nine a season, which if, if you do the math, is like less than a cup of coffee. So like you're totally fine and, and you'll own it. And so you can watch it many, many times. You can watch it with your other family members when they come over. So it's a win-win. Um, you can tweet me at Adam Barry J. I think that's my Twitter. Literally, I just forgot what my Twitter is. Is it Adam J. Barry? Or is it Adam Barry J.? Someone help me. I have literally forgot what my... I'm going to look right now. Bear with me. <laughs> yeah, I started to say, uh, I, I clicked off of it, so I don't remember. What is it? Uh, oh, so my Twitter is Adam J. Barry. So Adam, the initial J, Barry. Um, if you tweet Adam Barry, you're going to get a very nice gentleman from the U.K., who we are friends because everyone tweets him about ghosts. And then he was trying to, he's like, who is this? Who is this person that I'm being tweeted about? So we're next time I go to Europe, I'm going to hang out with this guy. Um, so tweet Adam J. Barry. You can follow me on Instagram at Adam Barry. That's easy. Um, and then Facebook uh, is easy. You type in Adam Barry fans, F A N S Adam Barry fans. And that's my, that is my public page. You can like me there. You can talk to me. I talk. I answer email questions, messages. I post things all the time, crazy stuff. I don't post all about ghosts. I post like weird, wacky videos. I'm all about that. 
And then YouTube is uh, Adam Barry. I think it's Adam Barry J is YouTube. If you just search Adam Barry Ghost Hunters, you'll find a bunch. You'll find my um, station in my video. Um, but yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I'm excited. Yeah, that's how you can get in touch, and that's how you can watch uh, watch Kindred Spirits. Do you got some uh, events coming up with uh, Amy Strange Escapes? Events? Lord, do I? Lord, do I? I've got um. So wait, I just noticed your tweet. I'm going to follow you right now, not to digress, but I'm going to follow you on the Twitter. There it is. Um, yes, I we do. We have um, we're going to Belvoir Winery in Liberty, uh, Missouri, uh, the weekend of April. Let me pull up my calendar. Uh, 13, 14, 15. There are ticket, tickets still available on strange-escapes.com. Uh, Danielle from American Pickers is going to be there. God, I love her. And uh, the Ghost Brothers are going to be there, which we hung out with, the Ghost Brothers, at uh, – uh, oh, my God. I can't even remember. Where, oh, where were we uh, – maybe we were Scarefest, the Ghost Brothers were there? Yeah. We had, we had the best time with them, and I cannot wait – for them to take Belvoir. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Um, so you can get tickets for that on strange-escapes.com. And then um, uh, what else is happening? I think uh, ptownghosthunt.com, which is what uh, what I do locally. Uh, my The paranormal team kind of transitioned into doing uh, small cases, but also hosting events in amazing haunted locations in Provincetown and Truro. We're looking into doing uh, the historic Highland Lighthouse in August, which has never, ever been investigated. Literally every place we do has never been investigated, but the stories have been like hundreds of years, so I, I cannot wait to get a hold of it. Uh, cruise out of New Orleans happening the end of June. Oh, my God, what else is there? The UP, the Michigan Paracon is happening the 24th, 25th, uh, 26th of August. September, we roll into nothing. I'm going to sleep. Uh, October, <laughs> Mackinac Island, Strange Escapes. We're having our annual Halloween party. It's going to be amazing costume party. And then not, last but not least, on the for now, is the Mount Washington event, November 16th, 17th, 18th. We're doing a giant masquerade ball at the Mount Washington. We're trying – my goal is to take an entire group professional photo, black and white, of you know in the shining when they he's in that photograph of new year's eve oh, and they're yeah, all yeah, like yeah. in suit i'm tr we're going to re recreate that photo <laughs> in our masquerade outfits i want it so bad um so that's what's happening and then you know the theater i'm doing at uh, caperep.org it opens um june 9th no 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 may 9th and then um peregrinetheater.com you know i'm stuck in Provincetown all summer and then you know uh, hopefully some more kindred coming up and uh, just it never ends it literally never ends well that's okay with me if it never ends so I appreciate <laughs> well, it well the work the work never ends the work never ends that's for sure <laughs> Adam thank you so much brother we greatly appreciate it thank you is your wife in the studio with you right now no she's downstairs because we have a dog that our audience knows and if she's up here he'd be up here and he would be barking the whole time so oh my god amazing i didn't know if she was like in a corner silently scribbling notes and she could say hi but tell her i said hello i most certainly will you know what i'm gonna get you to um after we get off the air i'm gonna get you to do something special for me though amazing i'll do it you see how fun is adam barry Oh, he was very fun, and I appreciate him um, coming on for us. That was a thrill. 
Yeah, he's a he's an absolute trip, and and I would love would love to go up there and see their production of hair. Oh my gosh, I would too. I wonder. Well, it's a, I'm I'm sure it's fantastic. So. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And this is so you guys know. I asked him at the end to do something. Uh, you know, asked him if he would do something special for me, which he jumped all over as you could hear. It wouldn't even you know. We'll talk about that off there. It was just like absolutely, I'll do it. And uh, I wish I had, I probably could have took advantage of something way better than what I did if I'd known <laughs> it was going to be that easy. But the reality of it is, this this is going to show you. And he and he gave me permission to do this one because y'all would be lighting us up on Twitter, both of us, wanting to know what it was that I asked him to do off the air. So uh, I asked if I could have permission to be able to use this so you could hear what I had him do for me. And this will give you an example of how great of a guy he is. So my granddaughter, my nine-year-old granddaughter, has a birthday coming up. It's a few months off, but I mean, how often am I going to talk to Adam Barry between now and then? Probably never. So I t- try to take advantage of the situation. She is a huge Adam Barry fan. And all I asked him is, hey, her birthday was coming up. Could you please just say, hey, I'm Adam Barry. Happy birthday, Dakota. And this is what he gave me instead. Hey, Dakota, this is Adam Barry from Kindred Spirits, and I wanted to wish you Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Dakota, happy birthday to you. I hope you have a great day and a great year and just knock it out of the park, okay? Bye. Now, I ask you, does it get any better than that? That was the sweetest thing, and she's going to be so excited when she hears this. That was very, very sweet of him to do that. And I just had to hold on to it for a couple of months. I don't know if we can. <laughs> you know how I am. I'm ready, to let her, I'm ready to let her know as soon as she comes back down here. It's only like four months away. I know. So. <laughs> Guys, thank you for listening this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've had a fantastic Easter. And uh, we couldn't be happier to have you guys as listeners. So on a day like today where I'm feeling all extra lovey-dovey, mm-hmm. I just want to be able to say you guys truly are the best listeners in the world. Amen. So thank you for everything you do for us. Yes. We couldn't be happier to have you guys on board this this journey that we're taking. Yeah, so. you sure make my life a lot happier. So I look forward to hearing from you guys every day. Thank you guys again for your great reviews. We appreciate that. And uh, we got some really good stuff happening and coming up. We're going to have a busy summer and um, looking forward to every bit of it. Yeah, the um, in case you were looking into the Waverly Tours in Louisville, it is officially 100% sold out. Yes. You guys are incredible. You bought 100 tickets for the Saturday, the 28th, April 28th tours, the 7, uh, 7 o'clock and the 9.30. You guys bought every one of them i know I, it's just unbelievable and you guys are gonna have fun and see what it's like out you know buck the big old waverly and i'm still scared and <laughs> but you know what it's worth it and we can't wait to meet every one of you guys it's gonna be fun and we're gonna eat some good chicken yeah brewster's is phenomenal and at the live event we sold out there also oh awesome i didn't even know that yeah that's we, we've sold out there so here we are almost literally a month away and we've completely sold out two tours at Waverly and the uh, live show with us, uh, History Goes Bump and Pleasing Terrors. And 
I can't say anything, but you guys are incredible. When we let me explain. When we set this up initially, when uh, Mike Brown from Policing Terrors approached myself and uh, Diana Denise and said, "Hey, would you guys be interested in doing this?" This was a few months back. You guys probably don't know this, but these live events for podcasts don't usually go that well. A lot of times they do them for free. They don't even charge for tickets. And I remember us having a conversation about, do you think we can get anybody to show up? Mm -hmm. And then here we are talking a month beforehand, completely sold out. We added a tour that wasn't even part of it and sold that one out. Yeah. That's how good of a response it's been. And it's not just us. It's obviously you get you get three great shows that oh, absolutely. night. absolutely. So it's everybody's got to tie into it. But, I mean, you guys are incredible. So I can't, I can't say any more than thank you. Thank you, guys. You mean the world to us, and we love you so much. And we do still have a handful of tickets. I think 15 left for the Brohio and yeah, uh, Mysterious yeah, Circumstances guys. in Cincinnati, the 14th, or Cincinnati area. Right. Rather, so... Uh, jump on there and grab that because that's only two weeks away now. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yep. So it's kind of exciting. We've got all of our new merch and everything up on the shop. Please leave us some more reviews. Reviews help us more than money does, believe yeah. it or not. Mm -hmm. So We were uh, very excited to have all those reviews this week. It was great. Yep. And everybody out there, this is my challenge for you, even though you do plenty now. Try to get, if you're listening to this show, try to get one other person to listen yeah. to the show. Yeah. Please. Yeah, that's all I want to ask you to do. Just try to get one other person to listen to the show, even if you have to force it on them, <laughs> because there's no laws against that. No, that's true. But just give us a chance, and if you don't like us, hey, that's okay. But if you like us, well, that's even more love <laughs> and more friends and more family. And so we're, we'll gladly accept that, because I wish I could just, like, have a million, a million. That's right. I said a million new friends. What do you think? I think a million is a lot of people. I think I think we could. I could love on every one of them. I could. <laughs> I could. I could love them all. Next week's show, we're going to do some haunted places in Indiana, which is uh, oh my gosh, I didn't realize there were so many places. Yeah, I, and it's probably going to be. We'll probably do two or three stories from mm -hmm. there, but it'd be cool. And um, we have uh, probably a surprise guest next week. But some of the guests we got coming up, just so you'll know. Uh, we've got uh, the guys from uh, Graveyard Tales will be coming up very soon. Uh, we've talked talking a little bit to Tyler and Beck from Minds of Madness. We'll eventually get them on the show. I think uh, Justin Rimmel's going to make another appearance before from Mysterious Circumstances before our live event. And uh, we've got uh, K.D. Burr from um, Southern Grimoire. Oh, yeah. She's going to come on and tell some of her stories. So it's it's we got a lot of cool guests still coming up, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. So. And the last thing I'll tell you about is one of the most exciting events that we're going to be at, which is the Potter and Love Festival, August 10th, 11th, 12th of this year. It's at the Intercontinental Hotel in, of course, the famous New Orleans, Louisiana. It's uh, right on the edge of the French Quarter. It's five minutes from walking all the major stuff, so you can't miss that. All the fun stuff's just right there at your fingertips. Listeners can get tickets, book hotel rooms, and see which shows will be there by visiting www pattern.love.com then I had the dot com to everything you know how that goes but uh, we negotiated a room rate of $129 a night for this hotel uh, for all the listeners out there who want to come get it so you can't beat that because trust me the hotels in the French Quarter are way more expensive than that so that was a good deal that uh, Jeremy and them uh, got worked out for us that's an incredible rate we already know that you're going to have all kinds of incredible shows log on to the website and you'll be able to see all of the shows 
who are actually going to be there. But I know history goes bump going to be there. Pleasing terrors. We're going to be there. Generation Y. I mean, obviously, Twisted Philly, a podcast we listen to. So many shows, I can't even begin to name all of them. Go to the website, check them out. They'll be there. And guess what? If you go to buy tickets, put in our special promo code, Hillbilly, and you'll actually save about 10%, I think, off tickets. So that's not too bad. Thank you so much, guys, and we will see you next week. Hey, Hillbillies, if you guys enjoy what we do here on the show every week and appreciate all the hard work we put into it, consider being one of our Patreon supporters. All you got to do is go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, click on the tab for donations, and you'll see the Patreon link right there. Click on it, and you can go to our Patreon page. Then you will have a decision to make. You can choose the $1, the $3, the $5, or the $10 donation. Each one gets you different things a month. But regardless, you get some free stuff. Just check out the bonuses under each tier and you'll see what you get for free for that month. But you'll get something free regardless. Also, if you'd like to buy any Hillbilly Horror Story merch, you're also in the right place on the website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Just click on the store page and see whatever it is that you like. Click on a few links, send a little bit of money, and your item will be on its way. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. We love you. We thank you. And we appreciate you.